Well, we're, we're kind of going through several of the spiritual disciplines that, that, we, that, we are, that we think are important. There's a lot of them, and there's more than, than, we, can, than we can really emphasize. Is this recording, Henry? Okay. So we, uh, there, there's a big list of spiritual disciplines that have been collected over the thousands of years since Christianity was birthed um, at Pentecost thousands of years ago. And so there are a lot that the church has embraced, and there are more than we can really you know, push and promote as a church. So we've worked over the last several years, three or four years, to narrow that down to three sets of three. And so we're going through those one week at one, one discipline per week. And this is the third week, so this is the, the last of the first three. So we've covered Bible reading, prayer, and tonight we're going to cover meditation. And the next week we'll get into the weekly or bi-weekly um, rhythms. And, and disciplines, and then we'll get into the monthly or less often disciplines after that. But as we're talking about it, I wanted to remind you of something I call the begetting principle. And it comes from that, from that uh, the word that's used in scripture, where it says so-and-so begat so-and-so, you know, and then it just goes, that was the old King James version of saying that, you know, that the, this father begat this son, this son then begat this son, and this son begat this son. So I call it the begetting principle. And really what it, what it is, is the principle is kind of, kind of disciplined, but it's like begets like. So like produces like. So if we are, if we're trying to, trying to build some kind of, of habit into our lives that requires discipline, when we do discipline in one area of life, it also produces more discipline in another area of life. So, you know, with Bible reading, if we're growing in our discipline of Bible reading and daily Bible reading, that, that practice of, of daily reading our Bible won't just give us the, the fruit of reading the Bible, but it'll also give us momentum in other things like prayer and meditation. So it produces more than just what it is on its own. It begets more, uh, more of the same kind of thing. So if it's discipline, then it begets more discipline in your life. So that's what I call the begetting principle. So I, I encourage you to look for that in your life as we're going through this series and trying to put some of these the disciplines into practice to see, um, to see if, if that's in fact true. In my life, it has proven to be true. So tonight we're talking about meditation. But before we do that, I've got a little song that I want to sing for you. <clears throat> This is the song that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing and not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song that never ends. Anyone heard this one? Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because... Sing with me if you know it. This is the song that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song... Oh, we can stop. 
It's the song that never ends, so we're not supposed to stop it. But yes. And then there's another song. Anyone know John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith? I won't sing that one for you. What is the what is the name for those kinds of songs? Anyone know? Henry? Repetitive, that's, that's part of it. Eternity? eternity? Close, it feels like eternity because they never get out of your mind. What do you think? Earworms, right? They're called earworms. They, get, they kind of worm their way in through your ear and they get into your brain and they just start going in and going and going and going and going and they don't stop. Um, so... So this is the song that never ends is one of those. It just continues, can, can continues. I want to see if later in the night or even tomorrow, that song is still in your mind or if we didn't sing it long enough. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good ringtone. Because then everyone around you, when they heard the ringtone, <laughs> would get that song in their head. That would be kind of funny. All right, okay, so earworms. And then, have you ever had a dream that you just can't get out of your head? Like, you have this dream at night, and then it's just like, it just changes your day. Where you're just going through the course of your day, and you can't get that dream out of your mind all day long. It just keeps coming back. Anyone had one of those dreams? Yeah? Yeah. Have you? Yours isn't pleasant, Alex. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you one that happened to me this week, and I, I told Becky about it. I, I had a dream that we moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. I, like it was totally out of the blue, totally like I've never, never looked at Knoxville. I don't know anything about Knoxville, but in this dream, we were moving to Knoxville, Tennessee, and I woke up and it was just in my mind all the, Knoxville, Tennessee. Why? Why would I have a dream about Knoxville, Tennessee? I don't know anything about it. I don't know anyone that lives there. I don't know anything that happens there. I've never been there, so it was really weird, and it just kind of stuck with me all day long. It just kind of, kind of carried in there. How about obsessive thoughts? Does anyone have obsessive thoughts? <laughs> Any of you want to share? Harper, you want to share one? You're obsessed with your cat. You think about your cat all day long. Chubb? Video games? You're obsessed with video games? You think about them all day long? Are you thinking about him right now, wanting to go home and play him? Yeah? So my example is when we were moving the church from Hazeldale up here, you know, we were working basically all day, every day that whole week except for Thursday. And then a lot of those days for me were 12, 14, 16-hour days 
And you would think that when I got home from those days, I would just be completely wiped out, exhausted. And when I laid down in bed to go to sleep, I would just, I'd just pass out and I'd sleep like a baby all night long because we're doing so much physical labor. But what would happen is I would lay down, and as soon as I'd lay down, my mind would go to all the things we had to get done, all the things we still had to finish. And so I'd lay there for hours, not falling asleep. My mind would just go over and over and over all the details. And I couldn't get my mind to stop obsessing over everything that had to be finished. It was just, it was just constantly there, constantly in my mind. And it just kind of governed my mind for weeks leading up to the move. And then that whole week of the move, it was just constantly there in, in my thinking. And when we're consumed with something, it has a way of consuming us, right? When, we're, when we get consumed with anything, it, it has a way of consuming us. You know, video games is a good example. When we get consumed with video games, it has a way of consuming us and sucking us in and taking more and more of our time. When we get obsessive about certain ways of thinking, it has a way of drawing us in and taking more time than even the, the obsessive time we're giving to it. And it just, and it just takes more. When, when we're consumed with something, it has a way of consuming us. So we have to be, we have to be paying attention and careful about what we are consuming because it might consume us. So keep those, those three things, earworms, dreams, and obsessive thoughts. Keep those real-life practical examples in your mind as we go through the rest of our sermon tonight and we talk about meditation. But to get us started, I want to go, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, something that is called the Shema. It's something that, the, uh, that, that Jewish people still practice to this day. Two times a day, they will pray this prayer in the morning and the evening. And it starts with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie about or when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so that's the first section of the prayer. And the next section goes to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and prays through a bunch of verses there. And it finishes with Numbers 15. I'm not going to go through the whole thing if you want to uh, get the references for that after I can give that to you. But uh, the Bible Project did a video about this this prayer. Actually, they did a whole series of videos. I think there's six videos about this prayer and these verses. This is the first video. I'll post a link to it on Workplace so you can check that out. Um, but this focuses on the word Shema, and that's what they call it, the Shema, and they explain what Shema means in this video. So let's watch that. So it's... it's a lot more than just hear or listen. It is listen and obey or listen and do. And the Israelites had this prayer that they would pray every day, which started with listen and obey the Lord our God. The Lord is one. 
And then the rest of the rest of the prayer really really breaks it down into what I would call meditation. So it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And now listen to these verses. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So they wanted you to write them on the door frame of your house so you'd see it as you come into the house and to write it on the gate outside your house so you'd see it as you left your house to write the laws so that you're constantly reminded of them. Tie them as symbols on your hands. You remember Uncle Billy from It's a Wonderful Life, how he had the strings tied on his fingers to help him remember things, right? This, the same idea, to have something tied on your fingers, and they had things that were, that were decorated that had certain number of tassels so that it would help them remember. So this is what, this is, this is the idea, this is part of what underlies biblical meditation, Now, there are two words that are used for meditation in Scripture. There's the word haga, H-A-G-A-H, and then the word siach, S-I-Y-A-C-H, or C-I-Y-A-C-H. I I can't remember. I might have written that down down wrong. Haga, or taga, taga, and siach. They both basically mean about the same thing. One, the word, the word siach actually contains in it um, the idea, or at least the ability for the idea to complain and talk negatively, or you know, to to really to to moan, you know, about some of the bad things that are happening. And then the word haga is just it, it actually means to murmur. Both of these words mean to murmur or talk to utter. Converse with oneself. And these are the words that are used with, for, the, for the biblical word meditation. It means to ponder, to imagine, to mourn, mutter, roar, speak, study, talk, or utter. So if you, if you remember several years back, before the pandemic, when we were really focusing on uh, spiritual habits at that time, one of the things I, I, would, I would have you do is to utter it. I, would, I was encouraging you, if you had a statement of something you were working on, it was to utter it. And it comes from, from this idea of meditation to, to repeat it. And it would be a phrase that would often be repeated throughout the course of the day multiple times so that, so that it really gets into your mind. Biblical meditation is different from the world meditation in that what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about meditation, it is talking about taking a truth of God and thinking and pondering it deeply, you know, uh, uttering it, mentioning it, speaking it, concentrating on it over the course of the day like a song that never ends or like a dream that you can't get out of your head or an obsessive thought. Meditation, biblically, is to to take an idea and think about it so deeply 
that over the course of time, over the course of the day, that, that idea gets deeper and deeper and deeper into our mind. So that's biblical meditation. Transcendental meditation is something entirely different, and we can't really recommend it because that idea has to do with emptying your mind of all thought with the hope of, of other spiritual forces entering your mind. So I highly advise you not to do that kind of meditation. There's nothing wrong with the first part of it. There's nothing wrong with, with meditation of, of stilling your mind, calming your mind, and getting your mind to be quiet and not, not running crazy and rampant. That's okay. But we don't want to do it with the intention of trying to open up our minds to other spiritual forces. Because there are a lot of spiritual forces out there that we want nothing to do with. I promise. For the most part, when we, th- when we say the word biblical meditation, what I'm, what I'm talking about is this idea of taking a scripture. And we're going to use John 3.16 just because we know it. Um, and we're gonna just, I'm just going to try to use it as an example for what biblical meditation would mean. It would be, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So we, we've often, a lot of us have memorized it. We know it really well. Meditation would be to, to spend some time on that verse and to, to really zone in on that verse and what that verse is saying. For God so loved the world. God, God loved the world. God so loved the world. God in this way loved the world. How did God in this way love the world? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Well, God, God really loved the world in this way so much that he sent his one and only son to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, only son, that whoever believes in him. Oh, so, so God gave his son, and whoever believes in God's son, there's something important there, and just working it through, that whoever believes in him will not perish. What is, will not perish? Perish, what does that mean? Perish, well, it means to die, but maybe it means something more to die. Maybe I should do a little research on that sometime today and figure out what the word perish means, because it's not just dying. There's something more happening with the word perish. Would not perish, but have eternal life or everlasting life. So, so God loved the world so much that he sent his son, that anyone who believes in that son that God sent to, to the world because he loves so much will have eternal life. And what, what, what we're trying to do with biblical meditation is think deeply on the truths of Scripture while we are solely focused on them and not allowing other thoughts or ideas or worries or, or concerns to come in and distract us. So that's what, that's what I mean by biblical meditation. It's a deep, a deep focus on God's word, God's truth, God's principles, what God is teaching us. The word meditate appears a lot of time in scripture, especially in the Old Testament. As we see it uh, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, where Joshua says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Does it sound like 
meditation is important to doing what's written in the law. At least in that verse it does, right? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. So we're supposed to talk about it. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. So it sounds like meditation is something that we're supposed to do on a regular basis. It comes up a lot of times in the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 is a great psalm. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's short. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed. It's a beatitude. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked... So you're blessed if you don't walk in step with the wicked. You're blessed if you don't stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. So you're blessed if you don't do those things. And here's blessed if you do these things. Verse 2. Blessed are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Wouldn't you like to be like a tree planted by the stream of water which, which is always green, which never, never withers no matter what weather comes along. You don't have to worry about, about the weather of the world that's going on around you because you're, tran- planted, you're, you're planted by the water. You're a tree with deep roots and yields its fruits and whatever you do prospers. I want to be that kind of a, kind of a Christian. Not so the wicked... The wicked aren't like that tree. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So we're blessed if we delight in the law of the Lord and if we meditate on it day and night. And then all of these promises that seem to come with doing that. Psalm 77 is another great one that actually uses both words, both Hebrew words for meditation. So Psalm 77, verse 1 through 12, I cried out for God, I cried out to God for help, like they were talking about in the video, crying out for God to hear me. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. Have you had nights like that where you've just been so, so stressed about something? Where you sought the Lord and and you just could not be comforted because this thing was going on and you needed resolution and you prayed and you wrestled with it all night for maybe many, many, many nights. Verse 3, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. So here is the form of meditation that talks about groaning or uttering or, or muttering. It's, it's that idea of, of, of talking about something that weighs so heavily on your mind that sometimes you don't even know how to say or what to say. 
Verse 4, you kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, Seok. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? So here's the psalmist. It's actually a part of, a, a part of Israel's hymn book, song book, and they've got this in here where they're talking about and asking questions that a lot of us have asked in our lives. Is God going to reject me forever? Will he, will he never show his favor on me again? Will, has his unfailing love vanished? It sure feels like it. Has, is he withholding his compassion Is God forgetting to be merciful? Verse 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider that Seok... It's the form of meditation. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Haga, taga. Another translation of verse 12 says, I will also meditate on all your word and talk of your deeds. So it's talking about meditating, thinking deeply, pondering these ideas, remembering what God has done, remembering God's faithfulness of the past and letting that faithfulness of the past guide us to give us hope for the future. And then it's and it's talking about it. It's it's speaking it. This is this is what biblical meditation is. Psalm 19. This is one you probably have heard. It says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Meditation isn't just for our minds to get these ideas rooted into our minds, but they're actually actually getting rooted into our heart. It's changing the way our heart works and the way our heart feels and the way our heart responds in situations. This is what meditation is supposed to do. And when we are, when we are built and, and, and deeply rooted in God's word and in God's promises, the promise of that is good. The promise of that is incredible. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, fixed, on you because they trust in you. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. That word steadfast means fixed, but it doesn't just mean fixed. It means to lean on. You will keep ste- you'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast who are leaning on, resting against, supported by, braced by. 
whose mind is stayed on, who is steadfast on you because they trust in you. It's leaning, it's, it's having our confidence in God's word and God himself. That when we lean on him, he will be there to support us. So this is, this is biblical meditation. It's, it's resting on, relying on, trusting in God's word and God's truth because God's truth comes from God himself, which we talked about the first week. And so God's truth is actually what the, what the world is built on. That's what Psalms tells us, is that, that the earth and its foundation is built on the wisdom of the Lord. So we want to be leaning on the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of the world. We want to be putting our trust in God himself, not in other things. And sometimes there are these truths that are so complex They might be simple, but, but, they, but they take a lot for us to really grasp just how broad and deep they are. And it's only after we have mulled these things over, after we've pondered them and thought about them, and, and after, we have, after we've let them kind of work through our minds for a long time. And then, all of a sudden, we have an aha moment, right? You've all probably had those when, when it comes to scripture or to really studying anything. Take yourself back to class and see if you can put yourself in a situation where you had an aha moment. Is there, is there anyone that has an aha moment that you've had in life that you'd be willing to share? It's like you didn't understand something. It wasn't clicking. It wasn't there. And then just all of a sudden... Everything fell in place and you, and you started to make sense of what you had been learning. Anyone else have an aha moment to share? Maybe this will stir, stir your mind. Henry, let's look at that first picture. This has been a thing now with memes. I was today years old when I realized Orida stood for Oregon and Idaho. Do you know that? I didn't know that until I saw this one. But you can see there, and actually if you go back and look at some of their old, old logos, it is the one on the left with the Oregon and Idaho together. So it's Orida. <laughs> Let's look at the next one, Henry. How old were you when you found out that the Gatorade cap goes here? <laughs> Did you know that? I didn't know that. The next one, I was today years old when I found out that the color tags on bread are based on the day it was baked. 
you all know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> all right, and the last one. I was today years old when I realized the hole in the pasta soon equals one serving size. Did you all know that? I didn't know that. But I never cook pasta, so. Or cook. <laughs> Ever. I make, I make my oatmeal in the mornings, but that's about, that is about as much as I cook. And I can make a toasted, I can make, hey, I've been doing uh, the griddle. I've been doing more griddling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, those are examples of aha moments, right? I was today years old when I realized dot, dot, dot. And sometimes it takes a long time for that moment to actually click in our minds. So what meditation does is it gets us thinking on, mulling over, wondering about, pondering God's truth. God's biblical principles to help us gain a greater understanding of his ways and what he wants from us. So when you're thinking about, for instance, the principle of compassion, it's a big one for us, Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to do justice, act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So we're supposed to love mercy. We're supposed to unconditionally love being merciful people. We're supposed to be compassionate people as followers of Christ. We're supposed to actually, and we love being merciful. We love showing mercy to people. We don't, we don't love being vindictive. We love showing mercy. And that's a principle you can understand, okay, we're supposed to love being compassionate, but then as you're pondering it and thinking it over and mulling it over over the course of a week, you start to think, oh, well, that means I'm supposed to be compassionate in this situation and I'm supposed to be compassionate in this situation. I'm supposed, to be, I'm, I'm supposed to be compassionate here with this person that's really hard at work, but I'm, spo- I'm supposed to be compassionate with my neighbor, with this loved one. I'm supposed to love being compassionate. Why? Because God is loving and compassionate. We're supposed to be coming more like God. So we're becoming like God and doing what he does in his world. And we're bringing more of his kingdom reality into existence here on this earth. And we start to realize it and we have an aha moment and it just starts to affect everything about our lives. That's, that's one of the things that meditation does is it actually gets us thinking deeply about God's truth and, and then driving it through everything that we do. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here Paul is telling us we should think about these true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable things that God has given us. Think about them. Don't, don't think about the things of this world. Don't think about you know, all the things that drive us crazy about the world around us and, and all the pain and frustration that, that the, those false ideas and mistruths have caused. But, but think about 
to things that are true and noble and right. This is biblical meditation, thinking deeply about such things. We're supposed to murmur them, supposed to speak them, we're supposed to speak them under our breath all day long. Supposed to imagine them, that's one of the definitions of the Hebrew word, is to imagine it, to imagine in our lives, actually stop and picture what it will look like in our lives when we're putting this principle into practice in every area of, of living. Supposed to talk about, about them, supposed to talk to ourselves about them. And there's a lot of examples in the Psalms where, where the psalmist speaks to himself, or he'll talk to his soul. He'll say, oh, my soul. Why are you downcast? As he's talking to himself and his soul. We're supposed to pray through them. And we're supposed to do it day and night, morning and evening, like the Shema. We're supposed to do it regularly throughout the course of the day. And the promise is that God will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is fixed on him. The one who's leaning on him. When we're consumed with things in this world, we have a hard time. We have a hard time meditating on God's word because we're obsessed with the things we have to get done this week because we have to move the church to a different town. And I can't get that thought out of my mind. And so instead of, instead of meditating and thinking about God's truths and God's principles, I'm obsessing about things in the here and now instead of allowing God's truth to bring me up into his reality and his way of thinking, which is higher than everything else and over everything else. When we're consumed with something, it has a way of consuming us. So what are we consumed with? Might be a good question to write down and ask yourself later as you're praying yourself to sleep tonight. What am I consumed with? And is what I'm consumed with consuming me? What are the things that bounce around your head all day long that you can't get out of your mind? When you have a down moment and, and you have a moment to, re- to rest and relax, what comes to mind when, when you're not being pushed and stressed about something? What's coming up in your mind? What, what are those things that are coming to mind throughout the course of the day and are they things about God and his word and his truth? Or are they things of this life? And if we're constantly having things of this life come up in our minds over the course of the day, we might be consumed with the wrong things. And we need to spend some time meditating, thinking deeply on God's principles and God's truths. There's a simple acronym to help you remember these three spiritual disciplines. And we used it for a while during the pandemic when we were making the daily videos. Uh, We called it your daily RPM, right? Like on your car, the RPMs, getting your RPMs going, get your, when you go out before you drive your car, you're supposed to warm it up for a little bit, right? And get the RPMs up so that you don't take off and, and end up harming and damaging the engine. So get your RPMs going. Read, pray, and meditate. Those are your daily your daily things that we're supposed to be doing. Read, pray, and meditate, and think on, think on God's word, ponder it deeply, pray about it, and, and invite God's kingdom reality into, into your world today. 
You know, I wish I could tell you that um, I'm perfect at all of these things. Truth is, I get obsessed with things and I can't get them out of my mind. And I have a hard time letting some things go sometimes. And this, you know, the season that we've just come through as a church, and I'm believing that we're done with and we're into new things and we're done with that the three-year-long journey that we were just on. Um, it was it was hard for me. It was hard for me personally and and personally spiritually um, to to work through all of that stuff. And I've been telling Jim uh, as I've been reading through the Psalms lately, uh, I've felt a lot better about a lot of my prayers because a lot of my prayers uh, over the last you know especially year or two sounded a lot more like Psalm seventy seven. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? And I remember praying, praying a lot of those and just feeling like, I, I was feeling like for a while, I was feeling sacrilegious because I'm just, I'm so frustrated. Like, like God, you promised you were going to do this. You promised you were going to build your church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And here we are fighting hard to be a church that's pursuing gospel mission and, and gospel discipleship. And, and we want to bring your kingdom into our community. And, and we're trying so hard to do it. And yet it's just, it's just, it's just struggling so hard. Why? why aren't you helping us and just wrestling with a lot of those things and praying through a lot of those things but the thing that I that I that I can tell you is that um, I think God knows when we're angry so why hide it from him take it to him and allow it to become a part of your prayer and I think what might happen when we do that is, is we, we go through maybe a similar thing where we're like the psalmist, he, he's going through, I cried out for God and it doesn't, doesn't feel like God is hearing me. I was in distress and it doesn't seem like anything was happening to comfort me. I remembered God and I groaned and I didn't know what to pray and I, and I, and I couldn't sleep and I, and I couldn't even speak. I was just so, so stunned by what was happening. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night, and my heart meditated, and my spirit asked, will God reject me forever? But then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the miracles along. I'll look back to all of the things God has done in the past and all the ways that he's been faithful to me and faithful to so many before. I will meditate on those things. I will consider them deeply. I will, I will think deeply about all the things that God has done and how he has kept his promises. And I will allow that to guide me through the unknown of today. I will allow my confidence in who God has been, who I have known God to be in the past. And I will think deeply on those things. I will remember those things deeply and I will bring it into today to get me through the struggles of today. This is, I think, something that's so powerful about meditation and prayer and reading God's word is that 
we start to know and know these things at a deeper level, then we stop. We, we have less and less ground for not trusting in God because he's been so faithful for so long to so many people throughout history. And we know that he cannot be unfaithful. It's impossible for him to be unfaithful. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. That's who God is. I think that's part of the power of meditation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, just your, your history, your, your record, your track record of perfectly keeping your word at all times. That there's never been a generation on this, on this, of people on this planet that, that could say, God was not faithful to me. Help us, Father, to, to see all the things that we're consumed with that aren't of you, that are consuming our soul and our hearts and driving us away from you. And help us, Father, to, to think deeply on your principles and your truths, to replace them with, with your reality, and to lean harder and harder into your kingdom way so that we can have the peace that passes understanding that the peace of God would transcend our hearts, that it would be something that just comes over our hearts, bigger than our hearts, and we'd find ourselves under the umbrella of God's peace, even in the midst of difficult circumstances and situations. Help us to do that not only in our own lives, but to be those kinds of people in a chaotic world. May we be, may we be pillars of peace for the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.